Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina istafa. Khususan ala Sayyidir Rasul wa Khatimil Anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya. Amma ba'd. In Surah Hadid, ayah number 20. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lays out for us a beautiful example of the reality of life, the reality of this dunya, of what this worldly life is. Every person thinks that they are unique in the sense that what they go through and the pattern in life that we take is unique to us. To some degree that's true because we have our individual circumstances. But in the grand scheme of things, most people end up doing the same thing. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights this in ayah number 20 of Surah Hadid. He tells us, that know that though this, this life of the world, this life of the world, it consists of many phases. And the interesting thing about each of these phases is that as we examine them, we'll see that depending on what phase of life you're in, you tend to believe you figured it out and everyone else is wrong. But then as you move forward, you begin to realize that that past phase of your life wasn't the most effective way to spend your life. There was time that was wasted and maybe even shame over it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, That life starts off with la'ib. Fakhruddin al-Razi in his tafsir while commenting on this word la'ib, he says la'ib is that play that is common among young children and ultimately has no real goal, objective, or purpose. They're just doing it because they like doing it. They're flipping you know, caps of bottles. You ask them, why are you flicking these bottle caps around? And they don't know, they just enjoy it. That's it, it's fun. It looks cool when it's in the air. Or the child who plays with the jack-in-the-box where he cranks it down and then presses the button and it jumps up. And he laughs at it and then does it again. And then does it again. And then does it again. This kid who's playing with his magnetiles, playing with his Legos, this child who's playing with whatever block toys or doll or car they have, in that moment in life, if you were able to put yourself in their shoes, you would realize that that child believes in that moment they have figured out what life is. And this is what it is. Eat candy, go to sleep in mom and dad's room, throw a fit, wake up and play more. That's life. When they look at dad who goes to work every day, they probably think what a miserable human being he is. When they look at their sister and mom, they think what horrible human beings. Are they really, why don't they just use all the money they have and buy loads and loads of Legos? 
life would be sorted out. Why, what's the need for all of this? Why don't we just go to the candy aisle in Walmart and camp there and forget everything else that exists in Walmart? All of it's extra. Because that child in that moment has figured out what life is based off of what appeals to their nafs. The dunya knows what to throw at people based off of what phase of life they're at, knowing that it'll stick on their nafs because the nafs grows with the person. And then from there, the human being evolves into the second phase, lahwan. Again here, Fakhruddin al-Razi says that lahun is that type of play which now has a goal and objective to it. So you're playing a game because maybe you're hoping to become a superstar, an athlete. Maybe you want to become the MVP in your neighborhood. Maybe you just want to get better in your physique. Maybe you just want to improve your accuracy. So there's a goal and purpose to this. And then this continues for many people, this sort of game and play has a leisure element, an entertainment element, but it also has a strong communal element. Younger folks who play games, if it's video games or sports, what you'll notice is that one of the reasons why they appreciate it, first and foremost, yes, there is the entertainment and leisure where you have fun, but the second is gaming is a community. It's a society. It's where people find friends, it's where they find people that are, have a common interest and people with a common goal and objective who understand the minutia of the exact game they're playing, who know every rule, every detail, every method to get an edge in this goal and objective of theirs. That other people who are not a part of that world of their game don't understand. Like someone who loves playing cards, or someone who likes playing backgammon, or someone who enjoys playing pool. Those people that they play with they speak a language, they have a common interest, and they work together. Gaming in today's world has become one of the greatest traps to pull human beings out of reality and remove them from what they should be focused on in life. And it starts at a young age. In many cases, it's a result of parents not providing proper supervision, where parents are not involved where they're not giving real solutions, where children were supposed to be outside and parents were supposed to take them outside to go sign up on a Sunday league soccer game or football game or basketball game, and they kept them at home and gave them a screen and TV and, and, and a controller and said, go, you know, stay busy for the next three hours, I'm gonna sleep in on Sunday. And that's where it starts. Giving children access to screens at a young age. And I know parents say that at some point they're going to learn, well, let them learn when the time is right. Not everything needs to be given you know, to a child at a young age because you see children who are three, four years old and there's zombies in front of these screens. And I know it's easy for us to blame the children because obviously they're doing something that isn't smart. But personally, I'm more interested in knowing who financed this addiction of theirs. Show me that person. Show me the face of the person who enabled this, who was a parent who had a responsibility of stopping it, who had a responsibility of being there from day one and saying, my child, you will have to go against the grind and we will not give in to this addiction of gaming and TVs and tablets. And in order to help you, I will be there for you. Every day we will play together. I will take you for a walk in the park. I will teach you how to play sports. I will help you find a community. I will teach you to swim. I will teach you to ride a bike. We will learn to skateboard together. I will teach you to rollerblade. We will go together and go to the lakes and learn to fish together. But those fathers and mothers no longer exist. 
So they do the next cheapest thing to babysitting and they, whatever logic is necessary, they apply it and they say, well, we have to do it. We live in the 21st century in the world. Let's go ahead. And as a result of that, young people are addicted. Now, I'm not against gaming, by the way. My children game and I think it's, a, it's an enjoyable thing to do. But like all things, they have to be introduced at the right time with the right mindset. Like we do with anything that's dangerous or anything that has an addiction, you talk to people about it. That these are the harms. Most parents in today's world don't understand how gaming works. What are the harms to it? You know, we still think that people are popping in CDs into their PlayStation or Xbox 360 and playing off offline versions of some story mode game that's linear and ends within two weeks of grinding. But that's not what gaming is today. Today's gaming world is one that's based online. It's a never-ending game. It's a game that's based off of communities. When you played games at home alone in, your in the 90s, there was a beginning and end of the game. You rented the game for Blockbuster, you played it for a few weeks, you gave it back, and then you did that again with other games, and you just kept going through it. But today's games are not like that. You can play one game for five years. It's because it's community-oriented. These games invest a lot of money to make sure that whatever game you're playing, you play a part of a guild, a part of a clan, a part of a group, a part of a, a league. They make sure that once you join the game, you are a part of something like that. Because once you are a part of an online community, now there's competition. Competition that you care for because there's a superficial relationship with the people that you're playing with. And you have people that are willing to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on in-game purchases that for most part don't last past one season. There was a person that I knew who spent $3,000 on whatever purchases within a particular game, and it's a sports game. And for those of you who have played sport, ga sport games online, you know at the end of the season, what happens, guys? You start all over again. That's the only way they can maintain balance in the game. Otherwise, those who started earlier would be just too advanced, and those who are starting new would have no incentive. So everything that that person purchased for those $3,000, it all expires when, guys? At the end of that season. So at the end of that year, that $3,000 goes missing. It's all gone. Children are caught into addiction. Gaming, gaming today is much closer to gambling than what casinos, what we knew casinos to be, with loot boxes and multiple currencies that are in play. This is why when you go to a casino, the first thing, they make you change your currency. Play with chips, don't play with dollars. It's like when you go shopping, use a credit card, don't use cash. So when you go online, you're using some silly currency, some silly gems, so it's easier for you to spend your way through it, and you're playing loot boxes that are purely randomized. There are countries in Europe that have banned games because they, they are so similar to gambling and they're targeted at kids. And these games that are free that people are playing on their phones today, they are filled with ads. And these ads are erotic. These ads are inappropriate. These ads are misleading. These ads cast a darkness over the heart. Not only are the kids in our community caught in this, the adults in our community as well. And the sad part is when parents come and they say to their, their kids, stop playing games. Well, the kid's addicted now. This guy's addicted. You can't tell an addict to just stop. It's not a switch that you just go and flick on and flick off. This person is hooked to this. You're going to have to find an active, real solution. The Quran is telling us, And the gaming experience is only becoming that much more immersive. You know, we're going from, 
we went from 2D to 3D, and then after that we are at some point, at, we're, we're in some transition into virtual reality at this point, where it, the gaming experience, you are the controller, right? Where there's no longer a need for a controller. You are that controller. Well, let's just put on some headset and stop living in the world that we live in. May Allah protect us from seeing that day. That human beings are so miserable that they're not interested in living in the beautiful dunya that Allah created and are so eager to live in man-made virtual cartoon realities of the meta because the real world just isn't worth it anymore for them. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ اعْلَمُوا أَنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا لَعِبٌ وَلَهْوٌ Then that third phase, وَزِينَةٌ you know that kid who's playing, you know, who's playing ball for like five hours a day when he comes back home and sees his younger brother or sister that's just sitting there flicking bottle caps or doing something silly. They think to themselves, man, that kid is really wasting his life. The sooner I can get him into basketball, the sooner he's going to be a pro and he's going to be better than I am. He's thinking for his younger brother, for his younger sister. Because as you move on in life, what do you begin to realize? I could have done that better. So you move on from playing into the next phase, Zinatun, where it's now about beauty. You're more interested in your haircut, all of a sudden you have a style. You're more interested in what kind of shirt fits your frame better. You're more interested in what colors matter, match better with your skin tone. And now it becomes about beauty. Your car is much more important, your house is much more important. It's no longer just a matter of functionality, you need beauty in it. I want beauty, I want it to, be, I want it to have some special sparkle to it. And then years of our lives are spent there just walking in between stores and malls and shopping online and going from one website to another website until we always end up back at Amazon for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then you, you go into the next phase, تَفَاخُرٌ بَيْنَكُمْ Where now you're competing with one another. You're not just happy with having beautiful, nice things for yourself, which still kind of makes sense, everyone likes nice things. But it's that next stage that's poison. And this is where the dunya really gets the worst of us, where we go into competition. You're no longer happy with the nice car that you have, it needs to be better than someone else's. You're no longer happy with the clothes that you have, someone else took the stage at the last party, you have to make sure you outdo them in the next. It's all about competition. Competition's a dirty place to be. It's healthy if it's done right, for the right causes, with the right people, with the right mindset. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, that, you know, for good causes, go ahead and knock yourself out. You know, you have two people who are competing to get the highest score in math, they're both going to learn. That's a good thing. But it comes, when, when you're talking about garbage, nonsense, trash, who has the better score in a particular game, you're going to waste a lot of your life now. Get out of that competition as soon as you can. Who has the better home, me or my brother? It's an unspoken rivalry because mom used to say that I wasn't better or used to say he was better. Now the rest of my life until I breathe my last, my goal will be to prove that I'm better than my brother. Silliness. And then the last phase, that it becomes about increasing wealth and just having a lot of family and growing your group and growing your wealth. That's that last phase of life. And remember, depending on what phase you're at right now, each and every one of us is at one of these phases. Depending on what phase you're in, first there is a reality element which you have to accept. And second thing that you have to ask yourself, how deep into this phase am I? Where am I in this phase? Competition in itself isn't a bad thing. Beautifying isn't a bad thing. Playing is not a bad thing. 
Gathering wealth is not a bad thing. These are all normal phases of life. The problem is when the dunya tips you out of balance. When they put blinders above your eyes and you can't see which road you're driving on anymore. You're just waiting to crash. And then as you move on, you realize the, pro the previous part of your life wasn't utilized properly until a person is getting ready to die and they're on their deathbed. And just as every phase they moved on with, they regretted the previous now that this person's on their deathbed and the angel of death appears, the human being realizes that I wasted my entire life. Time's run out. And now we just have a few seconds on the clock, Malakul Maut is there, and he's waiting to take the soul, and you realize the dunya that you gave your life to, this image that you committed yourself to build, it's all going to be washed away within a few seconds. Because once Malakul Maut takes your body, your possessions will no longer belong to you. Once Malakul Maut takes your soul, your possessions will no longer belong to you. Your, mark, your grave will be unmarked very soon. This body, Allah won't care about it. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ سُوَرِكُمْ وَأَمْوَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ يَنظُرْ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَمَالِكُمْ Allah will say, show me your deeds, show me your heart. What did you do with that heart? This is not a place to attach your heart to. This is a place to learn a lesson. This isn't some sort of joke. Do you think that you're not going to return back to us? Oh, insan, so naive. You think Allah is going to put the whole akhirah on hold for you? You think I'm going to cancel Yom al-Hisab for your shenanigans? It'll all happen. Now it's up to you to choose and understand. As one Urdu poet says, What you do is what you'll get. If you don't believe, test it. Give it a try. That paradise and hellfire both exist. If you don't believe, die. Give it a try. You'll see what's waiting for you on the other end. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finishes off this ayah with a beautiful example. Like a, like a rain, a heavy rain. Kuffar here is not, well there is an opinion that it's referring to disbelievers, but the more common opinion of Ibn Masood that here Kuffar is referring to the zari', the farmer. Like, the, like a heavy rain that brings amusement and happiness to the farmer because he sees all the growth, nabatuhu, he sees all the, the, the vegetation. And then he sees it dry, and then it turned yellow. And then it becomes hutama, scattered debris. Where you have this beautiful vegetation, it dries. And as it's drying out before your eyes, if you're the farmer, and you see your months and years of hard work, months of hard work, is now dying, what happens to you? You get sad. Then you see it turn yellow, and you get more sad. And then it turns into debris, hutama. What happens? Your heart shatters and breaks. That Oh, man. I had such high hopes from this harvest, but there's nothing there. And in the hereafter is severe punishment. And forgiveness and pleasure from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His approval. And what is the worldly life? But or accept the enjoyment of delusion. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us true understanding and lift the veil from our eyes and let us see this material dunyawi world for what it is. Let us understand that it owns, it, it's distracting us from our purpose, from our meeting and connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allow us to balance a relationship with it. 
May He give us the tawfiq to be with it like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As He told us, a traveler, a stranger or a traveler just passing by. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.